I think that the ability to be happy in life doesn't come from a lack of hard things or bad things happening to us. It comes from how we choose to deal with those and really found how important that was the first time my nurse rolled out my very first wheelchair because it was hot pink. I mean, hot pink. (laughs) If you knew my friends, they are like the lumberjacks. They have flannel (laughs) shirts, suspenders, and big bushy beards. So the first time they saw that thing, they're like, Jake, bro, it's so good to see you, man. You're getting better. But how hard did you hit your head, man? What is up with that chair? (laughs) Welcome to a second chance. For the most positive and uplifting time on the radio, stay tuned and get in tune with Second Chance Radio. Welcome to a Second Chance podcast. If you're a first-time listener, we're grateful you're here. I would like to thank Joel from Relaunch for introducing me to Jake. What really inspired me to share his story was listening to the podcast Mere Mortals Unite with Julianne Sullivan. In the blink of an eye, Jake's life changed course and he ended up being paralyzed from the chin down. In just a few short days, he made the decision to choose to live life. Jake shares that people can see his wheelchair, so they know exactly what he is dealing with. But other people have some kind of wheelchair we just can't see. So this episode today isn't just for people that are recovering from a trauma or an illness, it's for everybody, anybody who has a difficulty in their life. Our guest today is Jake French, a University of Idaho graduate and a huge fan of anything outdoors. Despite the difficulties he has encountered in his life, he is able to make others smile and turn things away from a victim mindset into being the leader and speaker that he is today. So without any further ado, please welcome Jake to the show. Well, hi, it's nice to see everybody virtually today. Hi, Jake. If you could take a minute just to tell everybody a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you. Yeah, I'm a 32-year-old professional speaker and author, which is completely the opposite of where I thought my life would head. As you alluded to, I just had a crazy life story. I was a um, forester in my previous life and had a, a wild accident, and now I'm making the best out of it and trying to help other people figure out how to make the best out of their ups and downs that they deal with every day. Well, Jake, now we get to where you get to share your second chance story with us. Take us to the moment in time that you would consider the worst moment of your second chance story and tell us the story. We will share what you learned. Well, it was December 6, 2008, and the day started out on top of the world. I had just graduated from the University of Idaho, had my brand new degree in forestry and was starting my dream job as a forester. I worked for the Oregon Department of Forestry in Tillamook, which is by the coast, for Three weeks. It was just a very brief experience. And my roommates had a birthday. So we were we went out to party and had a great time. And it was on our way home where we found trouble. About 2.30 in the morning, my friends pulled into the gas station to fill up. And we just happened to notice this guy stumbling out of the gas station. I'm looking out the window like, man, who is this person? And even from a distance, you know, 30 feet away, by the way he was walking, you could tell this guy was very intoxicated. So I'm just watching, and as he gets closer and closer, the gears start to turn in my head, and something clicks. I recognize this guy. The person walking out that I just happened to be there at the right minute at a gas station I haven't been to in seven years was my childhood best friend, the kid I grew up next door to. 
I thought, what a crazy freak experience. I mean, how, it's one in a million chance I'd meet him here. So I jumped out. I go running over to him like, hey, man, it's Jake. Remember me? How's life? We talk back and forth for one minute. We're just so excited to see each other. And when I turn my back to get something in the pickup, that's where he made a bad choice. He thought it would be funny, I guess, to put me in a full Nelson headlock. I don't think he meant to hurt me, but it was just that kind of teasing, hey, I'm stronger than you type thing that uh, he thought would be funny. Well, Mm -hmm. since we had both been drinking that night, our balance was off and we fell. So when we stumbled forward, I couldn't put my hands out to break my fall. And the first thing to hit the pavement was my head. And with the weight of his body landing on top of me, it snapped my neck. And in one second, I went from being on top of the world to laying on the pavement and couldn't move anything. Oh, in that one second, did you know or did it take some time? I knew something was very wrong because I was just looking up at the gas station lights, felt zero pain, but I saw them lifting my arms up and it was like they were detached. I could see my arm, but I couldn't feel it. And I obviously couldn't move. So I, I knew something was wrong, but you never fathom it would be something that would last this long and impact every second for the rest of your life. You, you think it would maybe just be like a broken arm or something or a concussion. From here, we can go two different directions. You could talk about what it was like to wrap your head around that and what it took or physically what the next thing was that happened? Well, I was on the pavement for about 10 minutes and the paramedics showed up. They, you know, stabilized me and got me on the life flight helicopter. I barely remember the paramedics showing up. I I blacked out uh, shortly after I, I missed my helicopter ride. I don't remember that. That was too bad. (laughs) I know, right? The coolest part and I missed it. (laughs) And uh, I showed up at OHSU and, um, that's really life out of me. I had two surgeries, one to stabilize my neck and then one to uh, insert a, a donor bone and fuse the neck. And I woke up in between surgeries and had uh, an experience that profoundly shaped every moment from that point on. And it was a surgeon staring down at me explaining, you know, Jake, you've just had an accident. You broke your neck. You're now a quadriplegic. And then he proceeded to list all these things I would never do. You know, you'll never move your legs again. You will never move your arms again. And when we get done with this next surgery, you'll probably never breathe on your own again. And I I didn't realize it at the time, but that lit a fire under me to help medical professionals, you know, as a a speaker, uh, to learn to make better connections with patients so they can ultimately improve patient experience. Uh, Because I thought it was just such a weird way to to basically welcome to someone to their new life, just listing all the things they would never do. I I thought that was so bizarre. Yeah, that's awesome that you were able to take that as something you wanted to help with because I was thinking, as you said that, that's not very encouraging or inspiring in any way. You're right. And, you know, they they may have to do that for some liability reason. I'm not sure, but it was weird. I mean, I, I still to this day don't move my legs but I've regained about 50% use of my arms and I can totally breathe on my own. And uh, it's, I, I'm a C6 quadriplegic, so I don't feel anything from my collarbone down, but I'm learning to be more independent. I can drive. I just drove a bit yesterday. Isn't that scary? <laughs> <laughs> That's and, uh, incredible. Yeah. I mean, yesterday I was in Northeast Oregon in the wilderness elk hunting. It was just incredible. And so I, 
yes, life is different. It's not what I expected, but I'm still having a blast and, and moving forward and hopefully uh, showing other people that the circumstances they have in your life, they don't, doesn't have to define you. It's just one of the turns in the road that you have to take. Yeah. And I'm a big advocate of the way you think will change your course. So do you think if a surgeon was to say, although this happened, here's what you still can do, could that change the healing path for some people? Absolutely. Yeah, I was extremely fortunate. I had a wonderful cheerleader of a mom and an incredible family there to support me. And they taught me to be an advocate for myself and to not accept no, because I'm a really passive guy. You know, if someone tells me something like, oh, okay, I guess they said it's true. So I got to believe that. And um, so I had that support system to help me fight, but a lot of people don't. And I think especially in those formative, whether it's days or weeks or months, like I spent in the hospital, we're basically starting life all over again. Because everything we knew is now changed, is different. In my case, my entire career that I worked my whole life, first 23 years of my life to get was gone. And I didn't even know who I was. And I think the way that medical professionals talk to you helps you form how you're going to deal with challenges. So, for example, like when a prescription isn't right or a, a doctor says, you know, you, you can't use this piece of equipment or, you know, this, the van is broken, it's, the lift doesn't work, we can't do this. The way that you respond to that, I think at first it was shaped by the surgeon saying, you know, you can't, 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 it won't work. But I was lucky and have my mom that said, um, never accept no. And uh, so I think it sets a stage for how you respond to life down the road. So what was it like while you were in the hospital? Were you there for, did I hear, three months? Yes, I was. And it was an incredible experience, obviously very difficult, you know, intense pain and um, it just so many issues. I mean, I felt like a child. I, I couldn't do anything, couldn't move anything but my head, couldn't feed myself. And slowly over time, the swelling in your spinal cord goes down. And with lots of therapy, you regain a little function typically. So it was tough. You know, I had physical therapy every day, but it ended up being an outstanding experience because it gave me a sense of perspective that I don't think I could have gained anywhere else. It's easy for us, no matter who you are, what you're dealing with, it's easy for us to become the center of our own world and fall into the poor me pity pit. And it, it, it's fine. We all get there. And I don't deserve mm -hmm. to be there any more than the next person does, but it, it, but it happens. And when I was in the hospital, I saw people who had gone through <sighs> unthinkable challenges. I mean, there was burn victims there. There was a guy, I don't know what happened to him, but he had lost both of his legs and both of his arms. And so you see these people who are going to have to work their entire life just to get to the point that I look back at and say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm not there anymore. And I tell you, that was humbling. It was like, you know, as bad as it is, it could be so much worse. I mean, at least I'm a quadriplegic now in 2017. And I have, I'm in a country that's stable. I have access to medication, to doctors. No one shot at me today <laughs> that I know of. I mean, I mean, really, it's it sounds simple, but <laughs> just imagine if you were at any other time in history or in any, any other country in the world and just couldn't get the medications you need or I couldn't get a wheelchair. I mean, it's as bad as it is in so many ways, it couldn't be any better. 
That is a very good way of looking at it. And one uh, misjudgment I made is I just assumed that if you couldn't move anything from your collarbone down, you wouldn't feel anything. But is that wrong? A little bit, and it's not your fault because it's the body is such a, a weird organism. There's seven vertebrae in your neck going from one you know, near your jaw down to seven, which is by your collarbone. And whatever level you break when you, you break your neck, that determines your level of function. So the higher up towards your, your chin you go, the less function you have. Like Christopher Reeves, he was, I want to say, a C1 or C2 quad. So he just had to have movement. I'm a C6. So that means that right kind of where my Adam's apple is is where I broke it. And, and another thing that confuses it even more is that every person, you could line 10 people up, give them the exact same spinal cord injury in the exact same spot, and every person's function would be different. It's there's no rhyme or reason. It just depends, you know, how bad the spinal cord was pinched or whether it was severed or how you're treated afterwards. Or there's just a variety of factors that determines what level of function. So every person with a spinal cord injury has a different level of function. And mine is very typical. If you look up C6 quadriplegic, there's kind of a chart that shows where you can feel. And I line up perfectly with the chart for better or worse. I do. <laughs> Okay, so does that mean the pain would have been in your neck then, right where that break was? Well, initially it was. And, and when at the first, you know, when I had the injury, I, I felt no pain. I, I think that your body can only handle so many signals at once yeah. before it just says, look, we're going to process this. But um, something that's kind of crazy and, and something that you wouldn't see is an invisible disability that I've developed. <laughs> I didn't really have any pain after my initial injury, you know, at the first couple months, but. About a year after the injury, I started to develop chronic nerve pain right where I sit. And the doctors don't know why. We've tried 30 different therapies, 30 different medications, and it's just progressively got worse and worse. And so you see me in a wheelchair, but the biggest challenge of my life, honestly, is the nerve pain. It's just I can't stand because of the paralysis, and I can't hardly sit because of the pain. So it's it's pretty tough. It definitely sounds like it would be a challenge. It is, but you know, I'm the, the title of my book, and and really, the way I look at life is life happens, live it, which really stands for you know, <laughs> stuff happens to all of us. So what are you gonna do about it? And one of my famous or favorite quotes, I don't even remember who said it, but is in times like these, there's been times like these, and uh, I think it's that pragmatism that has been a humongous help uh, to help boost me out of the pity pit and really forced me to kind of kick myself in my own butt of, well, this, this stinks. It's not what you wanted. So what are you going to do about it? You know, I, I still want to be happy. My goals are the exact same, which is to be happy and proud of myself and, and happy with what I do. Now, the way that I achieve that goal is a little different. It's not working in the woods anymore, but the goal's still there. That's incredible. I love the way that you look at that and the mindset that you share with others. You have to, I, I look at it as survival because the minute we just start focusing on ourselves and comparing, it's just a downward spiral that leads nowhere. And I don't want to be there. I don't want to live in the past. You know, I, I don't want to let this define me. I, I still want to be me and, and be proud of myself at the end of the day. Well, I think this is a great place for us to jump into the next question, which is focusing more on moving through it. We get to the turnaround point. Can you tell us the moment of time of an incredible turnaround point that you experienced Tell us the story, and we will explore the steps that you took. One of my turnaround points, I feel like I've had many, but it came in the hospital. I, 
I was in the therapy room uh, working on just sitting on the edge of a table and lifting one hand up at a time. It, it was so scary. It sounds simple, but I, I felt like I would just fall off the table and uh, it was terrifying. And so I'm surrounded by people who have just had crazy things happen. Like I said, burn victims, car wreck victims, heart attack, stroke, spinal cord injury, and people were hurting in that room. So as I'm sitting there working with my therapist, this young lady comes walking in and this is the type of person that you don't see in a hospital. I mean, she's probably 22 years old. Looks like she just walked out of a magazine. I mean, full makeup, the pearls, the lipstick, just like, oh my gosh, everyone stops and looks. She's gorgeous. So, <laughs> and the only thing that would let you know she might have been a patient was that she was a therapist was walking next to her and she was using a walker. So everyone's kind of like, wow, who's the new person? And, and we're looking and she sits next to me in this table and I hear her just proceed to break down and just, you know, woe is me. My life is over. And the crux of this breakdown was that she'd had a stroke, which is terrible and, and it shouldn't happen. It was a weird freak thing. But her friends saw her in a wheelchair once. And so I'm, I'm like, uh. are you kidding me? Look around there. You look completely normal aside from a little limp and there are people who oh my gosh their whole life was turned upside down and and so that just kind of struck me like wow you know it's it's all relative and I should be thankful for what I have and and the people in my life and and not to discredit her I mean whatever's going on in her life was the biggest thing so I I I, I validate that but it just really shook me like wow um I'm pretty lucky to have what the limited function I do have. So that was kind of what made me step back and go, okay, Jake, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Let's keep moving forward. Now, Jake, I ask people this question and many don't know the answer, but if you're have someone listening to this right now and are like, oh, that's me. And I want to change that. Do you have any idea what makes the difference of someone who looks at life that way versus someone who looks at life through the lens of, I'm going to get through this and be the best I can? I would just ask them, what do you want in life? And if we want to feel bad for ourselves, mm -hmm. if we want to find excuses why we can't do something, if we want to find a reason to be a victim, in any situation, you'll always find those there's that opportunity to be those anywhere we look. On the flip side, if we want to find a way to have fun, if we want to find a way to be proud of ourselves, to be happy with the life we've achieved, we can still do that. We might get there a different way and it might take different things to make that happen, but it's still there. So whether we want to be a victim or the victor, that you know, is an old saying, those those forks in the road are are there no matter what you're going through. You just got to ask yourself, what do you want? What are you looking for? Do you mind if I digress just for a moment? Go ahead. I don't think I've ever shared this in a podcast interview, but it feels good to talk to someone else about it. When I had my heart attack, I was 34 and I was in the cardiac unit and I was same thing. I was surrounded by people that were lying in these beds going, I could die any second. My life is over. And I was jogging around and around and around for all five days and talking to people and they said oh the only reason that you don't see it as life is over is because you're still young and I'm old and I'm doomed and they were only 50 years old and oh I, my gosh I, I couldn't figure this out and I'm looking for that answer all this time is why some people just seen it as it was like the end of the world for them 
and other people could talk and visualize what they do when they got out of there if they did. Right. Yeah, and it comes back to what are you looking for? I mean, if, you, if you're looking for a reason to think your life's over, you'll find it in any situation, whether it's a heart attack, whether it's a divorce, something that you're going through financially. It, it doesn't matter. It's It's that same choice. What do you want? So from that point, were you looking for people that you could connect with in the same mindset that you were in? Yeah, I was. So I just happened to know a um, another quadriplegic, and I, I didn't know anything about quadriplegia, but he was a guy um, who was a bull rider and injured in an accident uh, when I was in high school, and he happened to be a teacher. And so I, I reached out and connected with him. And that poor guy, I asked him so many questions. When did you get this function back? When did you do that? And <laughs> so I, I called him all the time. And um, he, he's a guy that's done something that is pretty much medically impossible. But he figured out a way to do it and that he, quote unquote, is a walking quad. So he's learned to use a walker. And it's, I, it's like I said, scientifically impossible because he can't really, he's a quadriplegic. You know, he can't necessarily use his legs, but he's figured out a way to do it. And so the first couple of years of my life, I, or my life after the injury, <laughs> um, I, uh, I wanted to learn to walk. That was big. I, I went down to Southern California to project walk for a couple of weeks. And I go to a place here in Beaverton, Oregon called Adapt Advanced. And uh, I wanted to learn to walk. And so I exercised two to three hours a day with my mom. She was amazing. Uh, and I, I really gave it a, a fair try. Um, I learned after a few years that, again, it's, it's what do you want. I, I, it wasn't going to be a possibility for me. I just wasn't getting the signal going down. But mm -hmm. uh, but that was fine. You know, it, Again, that could be an opportunity for life is over. I'm going to be in this wheelchair my whole life and dependent on people. And, um, you know, it, it, I just shifted. I, I, I just want to be as independent as I can now. And I'm still doing that. It's, it's a fight. I'm going to physical therapy actually in two hours. <laughs> um, but it's I still want to be happy. And I just readjust my goals. And I would encourage – any of you who are going through something hard, who are um, feeling alone or feeling stuck or like you're not good enough, just ask yourself, you know, at the end of the day, what do you want? Because it, it's probably just to be happy and to be able to look in the mirror and be like, lick your finger and go sizzle. I did that today. I freaking rock. <laughs> and uh, that doesn't take the ability to walk. It doesn't take a million dollars in a bank account. It just takes um, doing something you like and, and working as hard as you can at it so that you're happy with your effort at the end of the day. That is excellent. And sometimes I think the more million dollars you have in the bank, the harder it is to get there. Possibly. And you know, I would love to undergo that experiment. So if you have a couple million <laughs> lying around, I would just, man, I, I would do that experiment for you. I would volunteer to do that experiment too. <laughs> I'm with you. All right. Let's take a closer look now. What about you changed the most from this experience? I learned that if you aren't laughing, you aren't living. You know, there's a lot of things that don't go right every day and that just aren't fair. And and so for me, it's either been you're going to laugh or you're going to cry. So I make a joke out of everything. 97% of them are not appropriate. And people look at me like, you can't say that. And it's like, you know what? It's my life and I can. So <laughs> um, I'm going to laugh at myself being in a wheelchair. You know what? I will because uh, I just want to have fun with it. And so um, I, I try to laugh about everything and find the funny in everyday life. That's awesome. You can say you're proudly self-employed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what wisdom would you share that you have gained? I 
talk about something in my speech because it's called forgiveness gives you freedom. And I say that because after every speech I give, people always want to know, man, what happened to the guy who broke your neck? And I wanted to wait till we got to know each other a little better because it's kind of heavy. Uh, so after we fell forward, my neck was broke. My body went into some, you know, kind of convulsions because it's, it's actually your body trying to save itself by tensing up around the muscle site to prevent mm-hmm. further injury. Um, well, he saw that and he got scared. And he got in his car and took off. And it's been almost nine years now, and I haven't seen him once. I've never heard a word from him. He's just out. <laughs> so, yeah, basically one second changed every second for the rest of my life. And he's just out there living his, no big deal. So it comes down to the million-dollar question. You know, do you hate this guy? Mm-hmm. Not anymore. And here's why I have a lot of things. We all have a lot of things going on in our life that we have to remember emails, prescriptions to pick up therapy to go to work, to do kids, to pick up pets, to take care of friends, to take care of. There's so much going on. I don't think we have one square inch of real estate for hate in our heads because it doesn't move us forward. I mean, I can look back and go over a million times in my head. Gosh, if I would have been at that gas station one minute earlier or one minute later, I never would have seen him. This never would have happened. Or if he hadn't have done this, you know, I wouldn't have had so much pain and just all these things that just end up in a spiral and taking you down. It really becomes like a poison that infects everything you look at, everyone you talk to, every relationship you have. And, you know, some <laughs> pretty terrible thing happened to me. But if you remember from English class, what tense is the word happened in? Present or past? You know, it's it's past, and I don't want to live in the past. I want to live for in the future and then the now. And so, I really believe that forgiveness gives you the freedom to be yourself, to find happiness, no matter what you're dealing with. And um, if it doesn't help you move forward, let it go because you don't have time for it. And in some ways, it sounds like you had to come to your own closure as well. Right. And, you know, my heart's open. I, I think one day he will come into my life when, when he's ready. And, and I'm open for that because I would imagine he's hurting too. Share one personal habit that contributed to overcoming this. Let's see. I wanted to find ways to read, basically to keep doing the things that I love doing. And so one habit is just trying to to live again, trying to do things like I'm a huge outdoorsman. So I had to learn, wanted to learn to fish. I wanted to learn to hunt. And just yesterday I was hunting elk, you know, which is something a lot of people don't do, especially quadriplegics. And so I, I just did tons of research online, watching videos and years of experimenting, tried to figure out how to shoot again or how to fish again. So I surrounded myself with people, with people that want to help. And I just, I try to live as normal of a life I can, even though it's a little bit different. I just, I try to get out there and have a blast. That's so excellent. Should you feel called to, I would love if you send us a picture. I'll put that on the blog. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Share a resource like a podcast or a book that you couldn't have made it without. Ooh, that's a good one. Well, I ended up writing a book called Life Happens, Live It. (laughs) And uh, I wrote it for people who are going through challenges or just want to be the best version of themselves. And it was in doing that that I discovered I – I wrote about myself, but nine other people who've just had crazy challenges happen to them. And I wanted to identify what they did to keep moving forward. And one of the 
so I obviously I read all their books and one of them was a friend of mine named Ron Hagee and he has a book called Never Give Up. And he is a C I think C two quadriplegic. So this is a guy that for over thirty years has done nothing but move his head, can't move his arms one bit. And right now I'm staring at a painting on my wall that he did with his mouth and a paintbrush in there. And uh, I just – after reading his book, I mean he put himself through college by putting a pencil in his mouth and typing on a typewriter that way. And it just – it was one of those books that made me step back and be like, oh boy. Okay, Jake. <laughs> it, we're not going to play the poor me uh, fiddle here because – and here is a guy who is still rocking it no matter what. And so, so that was a terrific book was Never Give Up. What is one thing that you are most passionate about today? I am passionate about speaking to medical groups like nurses associations or uh, this month I'm going down to San Diego to the next generation patient experience. I love giving keynote speeches that help people, especially medical professionals, learn to connect better with folks so they can provide an awesome patient experience. And I, I love people that are wanting to grow and especially like grow businesses. You know, I gave a speech last week and people wanted to know how to adapt to change. So I, I just love being able to share what I'm going through with other folks in, in a way that helps them uh, be better people or improve their performance or just deal with the everyday ups and downs that we all have. All right, Jake. Well, before we get to the grand finale, I just want to tell our guests that everything is going to be linked in the show notes at everydayisasecondchance.com. Jake French. They can find you at your website, jakefrenchinspires.com. And now we get to the grand finale where we're going to ask you to leave us with one parting piece of guidance and the best way that our audience can connect with you. Well, why don't I tell you a story? <laughs> it's it's uh, something I tell in my speeches and it's about finding the funny in life. You know, people always, they look at my situation, they always want to know like, man, how are you happy? You, you can't walk, you can hardly move your arms, you're in just unbearable physical pain all day. H how do you smile? And... Uh, I think that the ability to be happy in life doesn't come from a lack of hard things or bad things happening to us. It comes from how we choose to deal with those. And, you know, I really found how important that was the first time my nurse rolled out my very first wheelchair because it was hot pink. I mean, hot pink. <laughs> not, not like salmon colored not like a light red it was hot pink and if you knew my friends they are like the lumberjacks they have oh flannel shirts suspenders and big bushy beards so the first time they saw that thing they're like jake bro it's so good to see you man you're getting better but how hard did you hit your head man what is up with that chair <laughs> <laughs> so when they asked me that like feeling backed into a corner all i could think to say was like uh, it's it's not pink it's uh it's Mangenta. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I challenge people to think what kind of Mangenta moments they have in their day-to-day -day life. Like, you know, where a hot pink wheelchair drops into your day, where something expected makes you go, what the heck is this? Or some variation of that word. And, <laughs> and so really what a Mangenta mindset is about is, is being that person who goes into a situation that's, you know, not always the best but they choose to pull the best out of the situation. And if you can do that, oh my gosh, you can bring so much value to your organization or you can find a way to laugh instead of cry just in your day-to-day -day business. So attack the day with a man-gentle mindset. 
lot of things aren't going to be perfect, but what can you do to find the funny in a situation? Oh, I love that. And where is it best that people connect with you, Jake? You know, just hop on my website. It's jakefrenchinspires.com. There's my email. There's my phone number on there. I'll, I'll put this out. I'll, if you're going through something, I'm willing to help you in, in any way I can. So reach out to me. I'm here for you. I want to encourage everyone to pick up your book, Life Happens. I haven't read the whole book yet, but I appreciate you sending it. And just the introduction is so powerful. I cannot wait to finish it. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time today, Jake. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Gina. Welcome to a second chance. For the most positive and uplifting time on the radio, stay tuned and get in tune with Second Chance Radio.